Howdy, everybody. This is Groucho with the Beer Report. Thanks for tuning in. Still working on the Burgers and Beer Project. And, uh, you know, honestly, waiting on a windfall of some Christmas money before I get back out in the field and I start doing uh, recordings with guests at restaurants, uh, eating a big burger and talking about beer. You know me. If you follow my pod, this podcast or my other podcast, you know that uh, audio quality is something that uh, I take to heart. And the last episode, Mike Walters just didn't quite get it done as far as I wanted. So um, it, it is what it is. Anyway, um, you know, if someone wants to sponsor the next half dozen episodes of the show, uh, there's some Rode go-to microphones. They're lapel mics and they're wireless, uh, Bluetooth, all that good stuff, and they go right into a little recording module. Uh, that's where I'm going. Maybe at the beginning of next year we'll get to that. Anyway, I love Mike Walters. Getting back to Mike Walters. That last show we did at Coochies in the Water, Mike Walters is one of my favorite people in the whole world. So doing a show with him where I felt like the audio quality wasn't 100% just bothers the heck out of me. And also, uh, ditching on Avery a little bit during that show, I'm going to try and make up for that tonight too. Avery's a good brewing company, but uh, again, we kind of uh, lost a little bit with them over the years and uh, maybe I can kick it up. Had a good Avery beer, so I'm going to tell you about that. So tonight, I'm not actually at a restaurant and I'm not actually drinking a beer, although I could be. I have something in my hand here. Refreshing Diet Coke, not sponsored by Diet Coke, by the way. Um, but I'm going to tell you a story that involves a burger and a beer. And this is just, um, you know, there's a whole merge point at some point that maybe happens with uh, my personal blog, the Beer Report, the car podcast I do, Throwing Wrenches. Um, you know, maybe at some point it all just overlaps each other and it just becomes uh, Groucho does things. But uh, <laughs> we'll have to see how this goes. Um also, if you want to sponsor the show or you want to support the show or you want to just give me some feedback, make sure you go to Groucho at the Beer Report on your email or go to any of the socials at thebeerreport.com. That's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and even TikTok, although I don't know that my login for the TikTok is even working. What follows next is based on fact. It's mostly true as I remember it. It was a couple weeks ago, so let me tell you a little story about driving cross-country and camping. With a burger and a beer. So a couple weeks ago, the beginning of November, uh, I decided to head to California for a meeting. Now, the meeting was in San Diego, and I live in Illinois. So to say uh, just a casual run to a meeting in California uh, is practical, probably not. But before gas prices went up, when they were still in the twos, it didn't seem like that big of a deal. Uh, as I headed out, from Illinois in early November, I think the gas prices were just over like three twenty, three thirty a gallon. And as I headed past the Rocky Mountains, uh, they steadily got worse. Trust me, in hindsight, I probably would have flown. Uh, but knowing that I was going to be driving, well, knowing that I was going to be in San Diego area, I thought it would be a perfect opportunity to meet longtime fans of the show and podcasters themselves. Y'all might remember Dude Night. Dude Night was a podcast produced out of Southern California in San Diego, and the three hosts, uh, Clark, uh, Clark, you might know him as uh, Phil from My Life as a Foodie, or uh, the Inane Podcast, which I love the Inane Podcast that's currently going on right now, and the other co-host, Hog Dog, uh, been friends with Hog Dog forever since we did uh, those early shows at the Stone Brewing Company at the uh, 10th Anniversary Beer Fest and, and hung out with Don, or Hog Dog, whatever you want to call him, uh, countless times. Unfortunately, the third host, Gonzo, he wasn't going to make it. I think Gonzo, uh, once he had kids, 
uh, he was he was out of the rotation. I know certainly how that goes. Once you have kids, you uh, you kind of change your your patterns and your habits. But that doesn't mean to say that you know sometimes after uh, life life catches up, sometimes you find yourself calling up the old friends and doing stuff. So there's still hope for a dude night reunion. I think at some point. Anyway, like I said, I took the long drive. I was gonna I was gonna meet Clark and Hog Dog, uh, and we're gonna go camping. I was gonna meet them out in Moab, and we're gonna start making a, our our mate make our way westward down to San Diego. And that's, that's a whole different story for another time, but it's a long drive. And, and so I knew going in that I'm going to have to probably go eh, probably to Cheyenne is, was my jumping off point. I really wanted to go further off into Wyoming and, and hit some petroglyphs out towards Salt Lake city on the next day. And then I was going to drive down to Moab. Anybody who knows me knows that petroglyphs are like my thing. Uh, if you don't know what petroglyph is, you can Google it, but it's any, ancient artwork carved into a stone. It's not a, a drawing, it's a carving. That's a petroglyph. And there's some famous ones called the Wild Hunt in western western uh, Wyoming. I was looking forward to it. So I'd never really taken that route before. I've, I've taken 80, and uh, usually when I get to Denver, I cut south and uh, cross the Rocky Mountains there. But this time I was going to go north. And, um, you know, it's 800 miles, I, I believe, is about where I was at. I was in Sydney, Wyoming. I just made the, the border crossing into Wyoming. After sitting in my car, it was 8 o'clock at night. I left the, my home at 7.30 a.m. Central Time, and it was 8 p.m. Mountain Time. And I had this sinking feeling. The whole time I was driving, I'm like, you know, I have a, a chuck box that keeps all my food stuff, and I have another box. It's all my bedding box. And uh, that bedding box would normally have my tent in it. My tent would be in there with my sleeping bag and my pillow and uh, I actually brought two sleeping bags because I thought it might be cold in November out west at elevation. But that box was awfully empty. So like on my third tank of gas, I was in Sydney, Wyoming, and I thought, you know, I'm pumping gas at this mega truck stop. I'm just going to uh, I'm look at that box. I don't know why it's bothering me. I just need to look back there and see if I brought my tent. Surely a guy who, who tamps as much as me would never leave his tent at home. Well, <laughs> that's the reason we're telling the story is because I did leave the tent at home. I had this wonderful four season tent. It's a lightweight, small two person tent. It's by REI. It's called the, I think it's called Arete two area two or something like that. A R E T E two. And it's just a two man tent. It has no ventilation in it. So it's perfect for, you know, for all season camping. It, it can't get wet inside uh, and no air can penetrate through it unless you open the little, little fan, little vent holes in the top. I uh, love that tent. I've spent, God, I've probably spent, 50 or 60 nights in that tent since I got it. So I've definitely got my money's worth out of it. But I did not have it. And this was tough because Sydney, uh, being on the eastern edge of Wyoming, uh, left me with little options. I I could sleep in my car. That's fine. I'd get a hotel. My wife would probably never give me any grief if I got a hotel. But I'm not – I didn't drive out this way to get a hotel. And I'm frugal this way. You know, I'm not going to spend money on a hotel room unless I have to. So um, – I thought, well, let me look. There's REIs everywhere, right? I'm out west. It's recreation land. So, you know, REI is uh, the big outdoor outfitter and uh, equipment manufacturer. So I'll just stop by an REI. Well, there were no REIs in Cheyenne, believe it or not. The closest REI was down in Denver, uh, maybe Fort Collins or something like that. And that was south. That was going to take me back off the route. And uh, I didn't really want to do that. So then I I looked. I'm like, well, what about Cabela's? You know, there's got to be a Cabela's around here. As luck would have it, Sydney, Wyoming actually has a, a Cabela's in town. I'm like, well, what's the luck of that? And I literally left the gas station, drove right across two parking lots and pulled in the Cabela's. I didn't see it when I pulled off of this exit. Maybe I did subliminally. Maybe it just like, uh, maybe it just showed up in my head. 
Um, but I, I went in there and I, and I looked around and I thought, all right, they got tents. They got lots of tents. They got everything. So I, uh, I looked at their tents. They had lots of three-season tents. They had lots of uh, big dome tents and stuff like that, the kind that have lots of air, so the air is always passing through, and that is not what I want when I'm out on the trail. Also, when you're out on the trail out west, you're not necessarily always going to get stakes in the ground, so you want a tent that will stand up by itself. And uh, I was struggling. So I did find a, four, a four-season tent. I don't know who made it. It must have been gilded in gold, but uh, it was $1,000 for a four-person four-season tent. Now, it looked like a nice dome tent. It looked like something you'd see on the side of the Himalayas when people are making base camp, you know, Camp 3, going to Mount Everest. That was not what I was needing at this time. But uh, And I humored it. I really thought about it. I'm like, you know what? I could buy this thing, try it out. But it's $1,000. I'm never, I'm never going to get enough use out of a $1,000 tent. I could buy a rooftop tent for 1500 bucks, and I might be able to find one used in Cheyenne. Um, so anyway, I looked across the aisle, and I found a $35 little triangle bicycle tent. Now, a bicycle tent is a tent that is light enough you can stick on your bike and you can ride around. Then when you find a spot to camp, you know, you pitch it and you just sleep in there. It's real tiny. And it's practical for people who are biking because size and weight matter. So that's why they call it a bicycle tent. So I grabbed that. It was 35 bucks, And I'm like, I'm out of here. I stopped to look around some shoes too because my butt hurt. I've been sitting in the car for 12 hours. <laughs> and uh, so I got back in the car and uh, I drove to Cheyenne. I, but it gnawed at me. It, it, it you know... At what point would I have turned around? If I was 200 miles from home, would I have turned around? Probably not. If I was, you know, 100 miles from home? I mean, I think if I was 60 miles from home, I might have turned around or I might have convinced somebody to come bring me my tent halfway. I don't know. It was – anyway, so dark thoughts had crept in my head. I was and I was really getting worked up. I was really upset with myself. And, th- and then in the meantime, you think, well, what else did I forget? You know, what else did I do wrong? And just, <laughs> so too much time alone. And in the dark, in the middle of nowhere, there's no lights out there. When you're driving from Sydney to Cheyenne, it's dark, just pitch black. And uh, so I got to Cheyenne. I could see the state capitol. First off, when you roll into Cheyenne, the east side of town looks like an industrial complex. It's just, I don't know if it's just oil rigs or what, but it's just industrial lighting. It looks like factories are all over the east side of town. It's probably very pleasant during the day, but at night, it doesn't look like a whole lot. I did see the state capitol, and I I thought, you know what, I'm going to pull off there. There's probably something I can eat. It was a Thursday night, and uh, I'm, I'm going to stop and I get some. I had literally eaten carrot sticks and uh, nuts and berries. You know, on, I, I try not to eat a whole lot in the car when I'm driving because you're not burning any calories. You're sitting there. And as an old man, we think about these things. But uh, I uh, pulled into Cheyenne, and I broke a cardinal rule. You know, I, I was thinking I would just get my campsite, and I would just go back and uh, just relax and be done with it. But I said, you know what? I'm going into downtown, and I'm going to get get a beer and a burger. <laughs> yes, folks, it does all come around. It all ties up into a beer and a burger. I um, I, I Googled it, and uh, just then my buddy Kevin had called me, and I was talking to him. He couldn't give me advice. He, he's a Western guy, but he didn't give me a whole lot of information on on Cheyenne. But uh, but uh, I, in the meantime, I'm sitting there talking to him, and I'm like looking around. I can tell that the spot I'm in near the Capitol is kind of a hipster spot. Um, there's some cool restaurants, but everything on my app says they close at nine o'clock. Well, it is about eight fifteen, eight thirty. I'm like, Kevin, I got to go. So I hopped off the phone and, uh, walked into a restaurant that I would call, it was, I would call it almost like a, uh, oh gosh, what do you, what do you call it when they got all the flair and the bits of pieces all over the wall? I mean, it had so much junk on the walls. You couldn't even tell the paint color because there were so many metal signs and Christmas lights and, and quirky little sayings stuck everywhere. It was Sanford's Grub and Pub in downtown Cheyenne. It's on 17th Street. 
And you know what? It looked fun. There was neon on the outside, and uh, there was a couple people at the front. And I said, can I just sit anywhere? Are you guys going to close? They're like, no, come on in. Where do you want to sit? I'm like, I'll sit at the bar. And like, All right, that's fine. So I walked back to the bar. And again, I mean, literally like a corridor of just bric-a-brac everywhere. Just, it was I don't know. What do you call it? Uh, I, I know there somebody uh, tchotchkes or something like that. Daryl had a name for it the last time we did a show with uh, just when you have so much flair and junk all over the place. But that's what this place was. There was even like an airplane hanging over the bar looking down. And I was afraid it was going to fall down and kill me as I sat there. But I was trying to be more positive. You know, it is what it is. So I, I get in there and uh, the first thing I do next to me on the left, one seat over, is this dude. And he looks like he's a... Uh, an oil dr- oil driller guy. I mean, there's a look. Does every Cheyenne guy have a, a look? Every every hardworking guy, you know, sun sun beat down, bedraggled beard. They kind of look like uh, Rothgar before he lost all the weight. And uh, super friendly. He gave me a fist bump. He's like, I'm Leo. And uh, so I gave Leo a fist bump. And uh, I'm not sure what Leo was up to all night, but Leo was hitting on everything that moved past the table. He he had several open tabs open, and the girls were asking him to pay his tab, pay his tab. So the hostess came up, one of the waitresses came up, the bartender came up, and this this nonsense was going on for 30 minutes next to me. So I'm like, whatever. Uh, I, grabbed, I grabbed the menu, and uh, they had a million burgers listed. Now, I can tell you this. Driving through Nebraska that day, I swore off beef. Nebraska is a huge state. I think it's uh, you can't get across it in one fill up in a forerunner. Uh, I think it's almost 400 miles, and I get about 320 on a tank. The last hundred miles of, of Nebraska, I was just choking on the fumes from the cattle yards. It was disgusting. And at one point, I'm like, if I never eat beef again, I'm good with it. You could smell the beef deep down in the sewage smell and the manure smell that was wafting onto Interstate 80. It was gross, and I, <laughs> I thought. I thought something died in my car uh, until I realized as I got closer, I was actually coming on a cattle yard because you couldn't even see the cattle yard, but you could smell it from 50 miles away. Absolutely disgusting. So, you know, I know people in my neck of the woods who say that the smell of a pig farm is the smell of money. Well, uh, apparently the smell of beef probably is the same thing to them. I still ordered a burger. I didn't care. I was frustrated. I'd been, you know, I'd been negatized, and the beer should not be part of the negativity. But uh, like I said, it was breakers of cardinal rules. I don't like to, I don't like to eat something big and drink something big before I climb into a tent. But that's that's what I did. So I ordered the guaca guaca burger with bacon, guaca guaca. You know, it, it's like Fozzie Bear. You know, it's a, a vaudeville skit. The guaca guaca burger. I got to give them credit, honestly. I don't know who they think is ordering that burger, thinking the guaca guaca is something because nobody knows waka waka waka. Am I wrong? If you're under 30, if you're under 40, do you know guaca guaca? Would you? I don't think so. But maybe you do. Uh, it was a big burger. I don't know the size. It looked like it was like a half-pound patty. Maybe maybe it was, you know, a, a pound. It was gigantic. <laughs> came with bacon, came with all the the uh, extras. And uh, I ordered a giant barrel-aged raspberry sour from Avery Brewing Company, the, the brewery that I maligned with uh, Mike Walters in the last episode. And they brought that out in a 16-ounce pour from Tap. And I'm going to tell you what, that sucker's sour. It's a good beer. So this giant beer, this giant burger shows up, and I stack it up with the lettuce and the tomato and everything. Even Leo looks over me and he goes, nice plating. Looks good. <laughs> in the meantime, Leo's hitting on these two younger girls. Uh, I, you know, God, God bless him. God bless Leo. You know, Thursday night in Cheyenne, just looking for love. Anyway, uh, 
that burger, I beat it into submission. I, I, I squeezed the living lights out of it so I could get it in my mouth. I ate 95% of the burger, and the last bit that was left is a quarter of the bottom bun. I mean, I, I threw this thing down. And that, that sour beer, I still had like a third of a jug. It, they served it in a mason jar, 16-ounce mason jar, and I had just a little bit of that guy left. So I threw it down. Now, I didn't have a hotel, and I had a pretty good idea where I was going to sleep. There was a reservoir that was uh, near town. It was about 25 miles out, but I've never been there before. So all I had done is I had looked it up. Oh, man, my internet just went out. That sucks. I was going to pull it up on the map to tell you where I say that. Um, that stinks. Maybe I'll try it again. Um, but I knew it was going to be 25 miles west, and there was a, a reservoir outside of town. And I had called earlier on my way through. I called a campground. I said, hey, I'm going to be tent camping night. Do you guys have any open spaces? And the gal on the other end of the phone was like, no, nah, we're full. It's like Greenville or something, Greenville Campground or something like that. I'm like, oh, no. You know, in my mind, I travel a lot in the summertime, and that means everything's full. And I thought for sure I'm going to pull up this reservoir at 1030 at night. It was at 1030. Well, after the drive, it might have been 1030. It was pitch black. You know, the sun went down at 5 o'clock. And I'm going to pull up this reservoir, and I'm going to find there's no spots out there, and I'm going to end up sleeping in my car. I'm going to be on the side of the road. Who knows? It's not what happened. I got out to the reservoir, and I'll, I'll be damned if I didn't think the place was like should have been boarded up and closed. There was nothing out there. The only thing was out there was a strong wind. I, I tried to pull around towards an area by the reservoir, by the lake, and uh, find an open spot to, to pitch this tent. A tent I've never put up before, and uh, the wind is howling. This tent is like a sock, and it's, it's like picking up like a wind sock every time I'm kind of moving around. Well, the ground around this reservoir is just rocks. And if you ever try to stick a, a, a tent in the ground, you know that you need soft dirt in order to get the pins to stick. And on a bike tent, there's no ridge across the back to hold it up and support it. It's being held completely by the tension by the uh, stakes on the front and back of it. So I was struggling. This this was getting kind of desperate. And uh, I unrolled it, did everything, and uh, just the wind was too much. It was sweeping around the truck as I'm trying to like set it up. I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. The only hammer I brought was the end of an axe handle. And uh, so I cut myself twice. <laughs> the axe was too sharp. Uh, I should have left the, should have left the cover on it. Anyway, uh, I, I, I gave up on the first spot and I got in my truck after I shoved everything in the back seat and I hit the headlights on and, and started up and I, there were 20 antelopes standing right in front of my truck. I mean, within 10 feet. They'd all been watching me, apparently, with my sock <laughs> floating around the air out there, wondering what I was up to. I'm like, this is great. All right. So then I went to another spot, got out, thought about it. It was just as bad. I looked up at the stars, and I thought, yeah, I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm to settle my brain, and let's just admire everything in the darkness. Maybe the wind will kick down, or I can get a feel for what I'm dealing with here. Well... The wind was unrelenting. It kept going and going. I, I drove around to another spot up by a bathroom up on a hillside. It was windy there. And I just kept driving around the reservoir till finally on the west side of the reservoir, which I think was a west, maybe, maybe it was a southwest. And um, I came to a spot with some pine trees and some coverage. And it looked a little better. So I, I nestled up to this, this spot, got my tent out, and it actually was working. I was actually laying it out without it blowing away. And uh, the problem was, again, I can't get the tent stakes in the ground. And, uh, I mean, we're, we're closing at 11 o'clock. I can't get the tent stakes in the ground. It's dark. I got this little handy light that's, like, attached to the forerunner, like, beaming on me. And I'm trying to tap this tent in the ground that I've never built before. So there was some grass next to the campsite. It was tall grass, like a foot tall, but it was all dead because, you know, it's November. And uh, so I crept into the grass 
and I put the tent up in there, and the stakes hung a little better, but they were still halfway down. I didn't care. Had a slope with my feet being down downward. I had my sleeping bag. I, I opened up my sleeping bag and just like pitched it in there, rolled it out, because um, I have to climb through this tiny triangle. It's about a foot and a half tall and a foot and a half wide, almost like a cocoon. And then uh, I had an air mattress, and I just, I just threw it in there. I'm like, I'll, I'll get to you when I'm in there. I'm not going to stand out here and blow on this thing. I'll, I'll blow up my tent. Well, at that point, I got into my tent. I got this burger in, in my throat, and I got this sour beer up to the top of my throat. I'm in gastric distress, but I don't even know where the bathrooms are at this point. I'd left the bathrooms at the first site, um, so I laid there all night. I was like, ah. So I didn't even blow up the air mattress. I just, I just fell asleep on the ground in my sleeping bag. And I tell you what, I woke up, but I don't even know what time I woke up. It could have been 10 minutes. It could have been two hours. My shoulder was just numb because I was sleeping on the ground on my shoulder and uh, probably snoring my brains out. I think sour beer was still choking out of my breath and uh, acid reflux was kicking in. I was in awful shape. I, I, I felt around in the dark. I mean, the wind was blowing, just howling. And uh, I also felt around. I was looking for my air mattress. I realized a tent had collapsed on me. I was just laying in this collapsed tent. <laughs> the top of the tent was on me like a blanket. And uh, I grabbed the air mattress. I, I gently pulled it to my lips. And I went, pff, pff, pff. about 48 puffs later, I had a semi-turt air mattress. And I just kind of halfway, I couldn't fully roll over because the tent wasn't big enough for a full roll. And I... Uh, I just kind of like snuggled on the ground on my face on top of the thing. And then I slept like that until dawn. And it was one of the worst nights of my life. It wasn't, you know, it was one of those things where you're like, I can do this. I can do this. I can get by uh, if I have to. And I did. I got by because I had to. Did I, I, I could have done it. I could have got a hotel room back in Cheyenne. But uh, by God, I was not going to, I spent $35 on the tent. I already felt bad enough about that. Uh, by the way, I've sold that since. Thanks, Phil. <laughs> Good luck with that tent. Uh, it'll be better for you, I'm sure, because you've got a narrower frame. You don't have the girth I'm packing. Um, I I climbed out of the tent the next morning. I climbed out of the collapsed tent, and this, this, it was beautiful. You know, it, The wind had died down. The lake had sunrise coming up over it, and uh, it, was, it was still dark everywhere except for the sun, uh, the sunshine coming over the horizon. And uh, it was gorgeous. The bathrooms were just, God, they were within 20 feet, maybe not 20, 20 yards. And then I saw over 20 yards past them, I saw an RV sitting there. So somebody had spent the night there also with me. When I got to the bathroom, there was a big placard on the, on the wall that said, warning bear in the area. You know, I thought this is par for the course because when I was tapping, well, first off, when I cut myself and I was bleeding all over the place, I was like, oh, God, what can smell that? Well, the antelope I wasn't too worried about because that's why I cut myself. But I thought there's antelope. There can't be any like cougars running around or lynxes or bears or anything like that. But uh, as I was bleeding in my tent with my high blood pressure and my sour beer breath and the burger gut, uh, I would have been a perfect, delightful dinner for a deer. And I'm sure as I was tapping that tent into the ground with the light illuminating behind me, I'm sure something was watching me. <laughs> I got lucky. I don't know, you know. I could have been like Leo DiCaprio. He he fought off that giant bear. I had a pocket knife I slept with that was open beside me all night and that and that hatchet that's razor sharp. So I, I might have caused him some discomfort as he was chewing me down. But uh, anyway, you know, my bear, fortunately, was probably Fozzie Bear. Ha-ha, see that? The long callback. He was probably doing the guaca-guaca. Waka-waka. Um, the next morning, I decided to head to Grand Junction. Uh, I was going to, like I said, going to see the petroglyphs. 
didn't go to the petroglyphs, made a, a cut back on the backside of the mountains, went down through Laramie, and uh, it was actually a beautiful drive. It was cool. It was a mud-packed dirt road for like 28 miles, uh, got me back onto 80, and then I hit down to Grand Junction. But that is a story for another day because it doesn't include a burger or a beer. And um, again, uh, I hope you enjoyed this story. I uh, had a great time, but I tell you, I, I have never been so down mentally as I was that night when I forgot my tent. And uh, the rest of the trip went much better. When I got to Grand Junction, they didn't have the tent I wanted. I still bought one, a Big Agnes or something like that, or a, a Mountain Research, but uh, ended up returning it later on the trip because I stopped at the the uh, you know what, the gear Moab Gear Recycling or the uh, something like that. Moab Gear Recycler, is that what it is? I don't know. I got the hat. I just don't remember it. And they had an old REI tent there that looked like a four-season, four-man tent. I got it for 56 bucks. I'm going to tell you what, that was my saving grace for the whole story. I slept in that tent for the next five nights, four nights, I remember, and uh, loved it, loved it, best part of the trip. So I'll tell that story whenever you want to ask. And uh, if you want to hear more camping stories with Croucho, well, hey, I got plenty. So have a great day, and then hopefully uh, after Christmas, if Groucho has been a good boy, he'll have uh, – He'll have a nice microphone so we can do another interview. I can get Kevin on the show. I can get Josh on the show. I can get Mike Walters back on the show, and we'll do a real professional-sounding recording. Maybe almost as good as this one, right? Mm, hard to say. Thanks again for listening. If you want to sponsor the show or if you want to contact me, Groucho at The Beer Report or at The Beer Report on any of the, local, any of the socials. Thanks again. See you soon.